0: thank You that we are unable, but You are able. I pray that You would encourage us with that, You would strengthen us with that. Um, I pray that You would just speak through Michael, You would speak through Your Word, that You would just open up our hearts, open up our eyes so we can hear You, so we can see You, God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
1: You may be seated. Uh, This morning we're going to try to do a couple of things, or three or four things. Um, I want to transition from last week to this week, first of all, and... uh, Bo and Pav are going to help us do that in just a second. Uh, then I'm going to briefly just walk through part of that transition. we we'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, what I read a minute ago. And then also, if that's not enough, uh, begin looking at Genesis 37, which, believe it or not, is actually going to tie in. Um, you like, how's he going to do all that? Uh, I'm going to have to because I can't stand up for very long, I don't think. So, Bo? Yo. You're up.
2: Yeah. We're getting our prompts right. right. Um, I know it was fearful of most of you who were here last week when Michael said, Bo's going (laughs) to Like, last week's hour and a half wasn't enough. A
1: few more minutes wouldn't hurt, right? But the
2: impact of last week's message was, was so evident that Brandon has put a coffee cup up here, I guess, to collect offerings for... What's this one?
1: What,
2: what? We don't need this. This. Thing. Okay. We don't know what this is. One for Amy and one for Brandon. I guess well, um, No, actually. Yeah, I do. Just for fun. All right. It is. It's gonna get hotter. Last week, as you know, we talked about the heart of the matter, we talked, uh, we looked at the passage in Corinthians and about uh, trust and, and giving and the biblical call to giving and why we give and if we give and all of that. Um, and there were some good reactions, I, actually, as the week's gone on, as I've talked to folks, there's been some good comments, encouraging comments. Uh, most of them have said, it's good you're not the pastor anymore because it would be very difficult, not because I spoke for an hour and a half, but it's very <laughs> difficult as a pastor to share with the congregation about giving because basically, especially in a church that doesn't have a whole lot of size, a great majority of, of our gifts go to support the pastor. So it's like... You know, I'm speaking on this because we need to give more because I want to raise. So we made sure Michael had surgery in the last week and a half, (laughs) so he was out, and so we were able to share that. Plus, it doesn't hurt that it's the beginning of the year. So, um, comments that, that were real encouraging, but one comment got my attention. Last Sunday, in the parking lot, in the parking lot, Mr. Templeton, who is never shy about honesty... Y'all remember that. Man of integrity. Okay? Okay. Don't tell my family. Okay, all right. Anyway, so, so Pav came came up and, and there were most folks had departed.
0: In confidence.
2: Knowing that I wouldn't have to say this to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> His opening words. His opening words to me were, "Kate, Kate, and I tithe. Kate and I tithe. However, there are times that we question what we're giving to." Yeah. No. You're going to elaborate. You're going to elaborate. <laughs> And the interesting thing in that was that that was almost the driving one of the driving forces in sharing what I shared as Michael and Chad and I talked and prayed about what I was going to share last week. Uh, that was kind of it. And so I mentioned to Michael and Chad this week, and I said, "What do you think if I call Pav and ask him just to elaborate a little bit?" This is the qu- This is the question. You had a oh man. You had an those eggs shake that you had an interesting and thoughtful reaction response to last week 's message, which was the heart of the matter. Would you share some of your thoughts and how we might be challenged there 's your dialogue I mean why'd you guys and you want Kate up here too? Bring her. no. <laughs> I thought there was going to be like a
0: mock-up up here, and we were going to act, but uh, I was all ready for acting. What did you ask me?
2: Why did you say what you said? Okay. In the department. I mean, what?
0: I said, Bo, Kate and I tithe, okay? We're in the top 13, or eight couples, I think. Want to make that sure that he understood that. No, not really, but... There was this idea, I said, you know, and it was really, I wasn't really talking about, I think, what you were talking, what you were thinking I was talking about. And then it, it morphed. But um, the general idea was it doesn't, you know, I can i can give out of obedience. I, I really feel like we're supposed to give. I don't understand the tithe, where all that goes, what it goes to. When we sit back at the end of the year and you guys send us a copy of um, how much we've given... It kind of hits me sometimes, and it go and I go. Where did that money go? What are we given to? Um, communal, c- community-wise, where did where maybe where did that money go? No offense, Michael, um, but it's you know that's that's the honest truth. We think about that, and uh, and where could it have gone? And we come up with some, maybe some of our own ideas, and we're part of a church that. Maybe we think that we could put that money in different places, but that's just us. I mean, you know. True. That's all that I was. I know, but it, speaking about
2: yes, did and I thank say you. Other no, no, no. I, I think that was that was the whole thing. I it out. You did fine. You did fine. <laughs> but that I mean that that's where that's where life is, and that's where we are as a congregation, as they are. Uh, this is a very generous congregation. Um, the generosity goes various places in various manner, but the issue of how should we give, why should we give, to whom should we give, and then when we do we measure it, the classic business term on r o i oh yeah yeah, you know what that means yeah.
0: I'm thinking of something clever, I'm, I'm empty. Coming up, coming up, sure. Anybody? ROI,
2: return of investment. Yes, yeah. yes. So, what is the ROI? And do, is that fair? Should we measure that out in a, in a church, in a congregation, you know, in reality? So, we were providing a transition from last week to this week, and we're going to turn it to Michael now. That is that it? We just transitioned. That's what we do. Do that? t- <laughs> <laughs> you believe that? Absolutely.
1: Thanks. At least is that that, that was the plan, yeah, is that we would transition from last week to this week. And uh, keep in mind, I've been on some medication this week, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> in the end, if it doesn't make sense, you'll know why. Um, uh, you're getting your money's worth this morning, because um, we're going to walk through uh, briefly that Second Corinthians passage in the beginning of Genesis 37, and again, uh, I think I'll show you how those two tie in. Also, to what happened last week. So, it may not be immediate at first, because I'm going to look like I'm going to talk about something else. And then I'm going to come back and talk about what Bo and Pop talked about. And I appreciate, um, Pop, you being willing to do that on short notice. Um, thank you for, for sharing that. Because that is one of the things that, that Chad and Bo and I have been talking about, is that very question of, well, if, if we really ask people, you know, to give generously, Why? Have, have they bought into what we're doing? Are they, uh, a word we've talked about, are they encompassed in the vision that we have? Um, or otherwise, you know, why would you? Why should you? But if, if you don't know, uh, and to be honest, you know, if you don't know what's going on, um, should we expect them to be generous? So let's look at 2 Corinthians 8 this morning for just uh, a short amount of time. Oh, good, we've got more time than I thought. Excellent. what I thought yeah we'll see (laughs) in verse 1 Paul says that the grace of God had been given to the churches of Macedonia and as I read that this past week listen to what Bo said and I read that and thought about that what does that mean the grace of God had been given to the churches of Macedonia what does that mean so we read a little farther, and we find out: number one, the the Macedonian church was under great affliction. They were poor, but they had great joy. And in that affliction, in that poverty, and in that joy, they became very generous. Okay, Paul, what does that do with grace? And I, I thought about that, and that that consumed a lot of my week mulling over that and then sometime in the last i don't know three or four days it hit me not only had they been given grace but they understood what that meant because their situation is an exact picture of christ's situation great affliction who was afflicted more than the son of man Not only physically on the cross, but as as Brandon talked about a moment ago, he took the wrath that you and I deserved. He was afflicted. Great poverty. What did he really have to give us? What material possessions did he have to bestow upon any of his friends? Did he leave anything to anybody? One of his dying breaths was, I have nothing to give my mother. I probably ought to ask one of my friends to take care of her. I have nothing to give. Poverty. And yet we read in the book of Hebrews that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Great affliction, much poverty, and in joy. And what did he do? In that situation, he gave generously everything, his life, for you and for me. And Paul then was able to say, I know that grace has been given to this church because they act it out. In the midst of affliction, in the midst of poverty, they have great joy and they're generous. And the problem is we want to stop right there. Well, that's what it's all about. It's about just being generous, giving. I don't mean to to minimize that because in this situation, that was a huge issue. See, Paul was battling that Gentile Jew issue. And he has been proclaiming that there is one church, not two. That these Jews and Gentiles who hated each other formerly are one body. They are family. They are brother and sister in Christ. You know what's going to put that to the test? If I go and ask a bunch of Gentile churches to give out of their want, out of their poverty to a bunch of Jewish believers in another part of the world that they don't know, that they've never met... And that they certainly don't have anything in common socially or culturally with. So, this was a huge deal for him to ask these Gentile churches to give money to the Jewish churches that were undergoing a famine. And then in verse 5, he says, In this, not as we in My version says expected, a better word would be, and this not as we had hoped. His hope was, and I think sometimes we fall into this trap as well. This is a confession by Paul. His hope was that they would be generous, that there would be a tangible manifestation of the oneness of the church. But he says, you know what? That was my hope, and they exceeded my hope. That's where I was willing to stop, and they went beyond that. Into verse 5, but first they gave themselves to the Lord. They understood this isn't about money. If it's just about money, then I can find lots of reasons not to do this. What Paul's ultimately asking us to do, and I... And I don't know if, if Titus had to do with this or not, or how that all worked out, but at some point in time, they got together and said, Hey, guys, this isn't really about a gift that we're collecting for a bunch of Jews halfway across the world. This is about whether we're going to give ourselves to God. Because now it's about money, but later on it may be about something else, maybe about our character. It may be about our possessions. It it may be about our lives at some point in time. And are we willing to say, I have given myself to God because He gave Himself to me? And Paul says that was the precursor of them being generous. Because if you've given yourself to God, God, whatever, you can have me then the stuff follows along after that. And then what happens when you've given yourself to God, you begin to look around and try to find other people who've done the same thing. Something has changed in me and I want to find somebody else that feels the same way I do, that I've given it all up and and I want to share that experience and I want someone to come alongside me and say that really wasn't a foolish thing to do because sometimes it feels foolish to give so much. Sometimes it seems stupid, to be quite honest. The world tells me one thing and yet there's this pull by what I think is the Spirit of God to give everything up for Him. And I need to find somebody else, some other place that will will come alongside me and say, that was the right decision. Let me encourage you. Let me help you. Let me challenge you to continue on in that walk. And so when we give ourselves to God, we begin looking around going, I need to find someone else. And my hope and my prayer, and my desire, and our desire, Chad and Bo and I, our desire is that that's what this place would be. And to our lack, our detriment, our miscommunication, our doing things incorrectly, what we find is, and I don't think Paul's alone, that, that people say, but what am I giving to? Several months ago, I don't even mean, know if it was Chad or me. One of us asked this question. I think it was Chad asked this question. Why am I partnering with Christ Community Church? Or, or if someone new walked in and said, why should I partner with Christ Community Church? What would, what would the people say that sit out in the pews? What kind of answer would they give? Let me tell you the answer that I would like to be given the atmosphere that I would like for this body to be like, because part of the problem is we feel like we've not communicated well or not acted on the communication of what that should look like. I would love in 2013 for this body to have an atmosphere where someone walked in, they they sensed fairly quickly. You know, this is a place where everybody seems to be excited about some ministry somewhere. And it's a place where this body comes alongside and challenges them to keep going, encourages them and provides for them a way to do the ministry God has called them to do. I just, I just sense it. I walk in and, and people are talking about, you know what we did last week? Our small group went out and we did this. And the church provided whether that was wisdom or whether that was finances or whether that was a place. And some of them go, well, I'm not really interested in that. That's not where God has called me. Well, over here there's some people that are doing this. And over here are people that are doing this. I don't know. That's not really where God's called me. Well, where has God called you? Well, I think God's called me to fill in the blank. And that this would be a place where the body would come alongside that person, or you if you're sitting out there going, I've got this desire in my heart of what God wants to use me, but I don't know how to do it. But this would be a place where you would say, I know that the church will be behind me, encouraging me and challenging me to do what God has called me to do. And that's why I partner with this church. That's why I'm generous with my time and my gifts and my talents, because I know that... That they value who I am and who God has made me to be individually. And they support that through their resources. Through the collective wisdom that's gathered in this room. And believe me, as I look out there, there's a lot of wisdom in this room. There's a lot of people who have walked with God for a long time and have experienced frustration. And have experience, experienced failure and have experienced God's grace in helping them get from point A to point B. And I would love for us to be a place where that is the atmosphere that someone just walks in and says, There's something different about that church. That might scare some people away. Those people are serious, and I just kind of want to play church, so I'm not going to hang out with those people. And that's okay. But if there's people that are kind of on the fence going, I wonder what this Christian life is about, would love for us. And again, to our our lack of proper communication of vision, I'm, I'm not sure we've been that way. I'm not sure we've communicated clearly. If you have a desire of ministry, we want to see you succeed. I know that I've talked over and over again about we want you to be involved in your community where you are. I've said that numerous times, but if you're like me, (laughs) sometimes I need a good kick in the pants to get moving. And I really want us, and as we've talked about, to to change. So over the next few weeks and and months and and days, you can expect us to come alongside each of you and say, "Where where does God want to use you? And if your answer is, I don't know, then our response will be, well, can I give you some suggestions? And if your answer is, well, I really think God would like to use me here, then you can expect our response to be, how can we help? What do you need to get started? How can we come alongside you to get you from point A to point B? That's my desire. That is our goal as elders and as a body, that this, would have, this place would have an atmosphere of excitement in what God is doing not only in us, but in this community through us. As we see people change. The problem with that, though, is that sometimes we can get so focused on ministry that we forget that people also actually not just look at what we do, but they look at our lives. And so the second part of that atmosphere needs to be, are we living a Christian life that is attractive? And so for that, I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 37. We have been in the middle of, no, not in the middle. We have just started a series in the life of Joseph. I want to read a few verses, but just focus really on just a couple this morning. Because not only is... As the body of Christ, we're His hands and His feet to this world. But we're also His character. And so it's not an either-or, it's a both-and. God expects us and desires us to reach out to those around us, but He also expects us and desires us to be Christ-like. And so as we look at Genesis chapter 37 this morning... We're going to look at a a negative example, and I want to talk specifically to the men in here this morning. That doesn't mean, ladies, you can ignore that, um, but you certainly can pray for your husbands, and then this can be sort of applicable to you too. Beginning in Genesis chapter 37, we read these words. Now, Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph was 17 years of age. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Billah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had, for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect, and behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brothers said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I've had still another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. He related it to his father and to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Just a couple of verses. Verse 4, His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. Verse 3, Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons. Here's Here's a guy who should have known better. He really should have known better. Back in Genesis 25, we read that his father, Isaac loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. And if you were here with us about a year ago when we did the life of uh, Jacob, then you realize that that was a mess. That issue of mom and dad playing favorites with the kids turned into a tragedy. Jacob should have known better. He knows how it feels for a father... To love a brother more than him. He saw it. He experienced it. And he reaped the results of trying to trick his dad into blessing him. One of those of him never seeing his mother again. Dysfunction. (laughs) And you say, Jacob, shouldn't you have learned something from that? And now here you are many, many years later doing the same thing your father did, showing favoritism to Joseph. And it caused dysfunction in the family. His brothers hated him. Joseph, who felt blessed, he was blessed, took it upon himself to to brag a little. To one up his brothers, to egg them on. Not only does Dad love me more, guess what? I'm going to be better than all of you. And dysfunction reigned in that family, as we talked about a couple of weeks. That led to lots of other consequences. Whose fault was it that the Israelites ended up in slavery in Egypt? It was their own fault jacob's fault he should have known better so guys my question to you specifically to you this morning is what should you know better about and this is hard because it requires you to look back and go is there something that my dad or my mom did that i didn't like that was wrong that was sinful that i've just kind of picked up and carried on and that's just and that's just the way I am. It's the way I was raised. And I haven't really fought much against it, even though maybe you've never even realized it. The challenge this week is, is for you to go back and say, God, is there something that I have picked up from my past that I bring into my family that causes dysfunction? It may be favoritism, But it may be something else. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's lust. Is there something that you've picked up from your past that now as you have a wife and have kids, maybe grandkids, that you've inadvertently or out of laziness or out of just failure to understand have brought into your family... And now you're giving your kids a chance to (laughs) repeat the sins of the fathers. Because you see, it really doesn't matter how much we give and give and give to the world. If the world looks at our family and goes, that's messed up. (laughs) They're not going to want our God. They may appreciate our kindness. They may appreciate our help. But the question is, do they see the character of God in us? And that's hard because that requires us to look inside, number one. This isn't about parent bashing because I promise you, your parents learn something from their parents and their parents learn something from their parents. It's a, sin has that way of just kind of filtering down. But the question is, will we seek through the power of the Holy Spirit to, number one, recognize, oh, here's something that I need to work on. And then number two, will you cry out to God, would you change me? Would you help me? Through the power of your Spirit, would you show me whenever I do what I shouldn't be doing that that's wrong? And would you spend time in His Word? Maybe that means memorizing some Scripture that you can use to fight against when that temptation, whatever it is, comes up. Maybe it's apologizing to a spouse or to kids. But would you ask God to change you? And then number three, and maybe even the most difficult part, would you find someone in this body to come alongside you and say... Here's where I need to change. Would you pray for me? And would you ask me how I'm doing? Because I really want to give myself to God and this is in the way. I know it's in the way. It's hard to do. But it's a necessary step. So as we begin to look at the life of Joseph over the next several weeks, we're going to see that in God's mercy and grace, He took this dysfunctional family <laughs> and He used them to bring you to where you are today. In His grand scheme, in His, in his big plan. of of sending His Son to the cross that you might have life and have it abundantly. He used that dysfunctional family and the power of His goodness and His sovereignty to change them. To change them. To change Jacob. To change the brothers. To change Joseph. And as we look at that Story Over the next few weeks, you will see that all of those characters that begin chapter 37, a mess. Every one of them, including Joseph, a mess. God brings restoration, He brings healing, and He brings hope. And if He can do that to that dysfunctional family, He can do that for us. He can bring us from where we were to where He wants us to be. And that, brothers and sisters, is good news because when we begin to move in that direction as a family, as a body of Christ, and we begin to buy into the fact that God wants to use us and that this is a place that can help you fulfill the God-given desires that He's given you to minister where you are, then we can begin to see change Not only in our families, but in other families in this community. And that's exciting. And I want to be a part of that, and I would love for you to be a part of that. And so as you walk out these doors this week, would you pray, God, have I given myself to you? And then would you ask that scary question, God, where have I not given myself to you? Where am am I not being the husband, the mom, the brother, the sister, the child, the parent, the friend that you have called me to be? Where am I allowing sin just to kind of reign instead of putting it to death? Would you do that? Would you ask that question this week? And when you allow God to speak into your heart, would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for this morning. God, I do thank you for your church. Thank you for these brothers and sisters and their encouragement to me, their love for me. God, I thank you that you have brought us together as a family for your glory and for our good. Help us to see that, that you have placed us in our lot, li- in each other's lives. Um, God, for, for our good. God, I pray that as we walk out these doors this morning, that You would, through Your Spirit, challenge us and yet encourage us. Reveal to us where we fall short and remind us of Your grace and Your mercy. But again, as Brandon said, that You have made us righteous and You have taken our punishment. And we need both of those. And we need to be reminded of both of those, God. So we ask, we plead, through Your Spirit, that You would... Show us mercy and grace as You reveal to us sin. Thank You for Your goodness, God. Thank You for Your your care for us and for Your love for Your body. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.